at the end. And I want to look today and talk to us about a source of hope that many of us forget about and that we tend to sometimes don't study. And sometimes we don't study because we're fearful. Sometimes we think we're not able to properly understand it. But it's throughout the Bible. It's one of the main themes of the New Testament gospel. And that is the good news. No matter what you heard this week, no matter how bad it's been, I get bad news every day. I come today on Sunday thinking I'm going to be getting good news finally for the day. And I, I, out of nowhere, I found something else. People are struggling. Amen? Things are happening that shouldn't be happening. And we live in difficult times. But I don't care how bad it's got in your life. No matter what you went through this week, I'm going to tell you something right now that trumps any news you can hear no matter how bad it is. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon, friend. And when he comes, it's all going to be a distant memory that you'll never worry about again. Because just one glimpse of him will make you forget about anything you've ever suffered in this life. And to know that you're going to be with him forever and ever. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. They're a great church, but they're like many churches. They're struggling. They're being hammered. There's some things going on that shouldn't go, but a lot of them are discouraged. They've been told some things that wasn't true. And because of that, they don't have a right understanding, and sometimes a bad understanding will corrupt your faith. And today, as we look, Paul says something in chapter 2, verse 1, that I want us to hone in on this morning, that I want us to look at for a little while. And it says right here, Now, brethren, that's us, the church, the body of Christ, the people of God. Everyone who's saved. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. I don't know about you, but out of anything in my future, I have nothing that I'm looking more forward to than the coming of Jesus and the gathering of every one of us that's truly born again, washed in the blood, spirit-filled, and purchased and belongs to him are going to be gathered together with him. And I want to tell you, my friend, it's wonderful to be here today. I look forward to every Sunday. But I don't know what you got going in your life that keeps you going. But I know one time and many times the only thing that keeps me going is I know he's coming. Can I get an amen? And I know one day he's going to come. And when I look and I see how much emphasis and how much that the second coming, the rapture, the coming of Jesus and the gathering of his saints together was emphasized and preached and focused on by the church. And I look at us and we act like he just told us that he's going to catch us like a thief in the night. And we're going to be just like in the days of Noah, marrying and doing business and going about life as usual. And one day God's going to come and a lot of people's not going to be ready. My question today as we read the rest of the text I want to look at is look at what he says. Because friends, if you're not ready, you ought to be shaken. <laughs> You ought to be worried if you look around what's going on because my security ain't in Democrats and Republicans. It ain't in a place called Washington, D.C. My security's in a place called the kingdom of heaven. It's in the God, the Lord himself, Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and I sure ain't trusting in a vaccine or a mask or anything else. If I die of COVID tomorrow, the next thing I'll see is Jesus, and that's worth living for. Can I get an amen? And we got to get back to the things that we ought to be focused on and quit being distracted with all the stuff that has got us and took us 
and robbed us of the joy of why we exist. We exist because Jesus saved us and he purchased us and now we live for him till he comes to get us, amen? And it's coming, my friend, one day soon. Listen to what Paul says. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if it from, came from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes. Friends, if you've got any discernment at all, you can see that we're in the beginning stages of the falling away. The world doesn't want anything to do with our God. The world is falling away. You see, God is preparing His people for the coming of his son, the devil is preparing everybody else for the coming of the Antichrist, the beast. And friends, we need to understand that the world is going to have to be prepared and conditioned for what God teaches in the scriptures to happen in the end times. They're going to be ripe and ready to take of God of this world and let him get on a temple and worship him and have a one-world government and a one-world religion. And friends, it's getting closer every day if you look at the signs. Listen at what he says right here. He says, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit, as, if from, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, nor that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin, that's the Antichrist, that's the beast, is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, that's Jerusalem, the temple mount, showing himself that he is God. Friends, that's going to be a bad time in America, or no, I mean in the world, but listen to what he says. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you of these things? Guys, if you read First and Second Thessalonians, the mention of the second coming of the Lord and us being gathered together, that's the fifth time in these two short letters that you can read in a 30-minute sitting both together that he's mentioning and focusing on keep your mind and your focus on the fact that Jesus is coming, the second coming. And friends, as you flip back with me, I want you to look at what Paul, he said, I've been teaching you this. If you flip back with me to the first book of Thessalonians. That's the book right in front of this. Turn to chapter 2. I want you to see what Paul says in chapter 2. Look at verse 19. Paul says, For what is our hope? Now he's talking about his hope and the people in ministry with him. And if you look at it in context, he's saying that we want to come to you, but Satan is hindering us right above that. Look at verse 17 where we'll see that. But we, brethren, have been taken away from you for a short time in presence, but not in heart. And we've endeavored more eagerly to see your faith with great desire. He understood that they were going through some trouble. They had been taught some stuff that wasn't true. They were worrying that they missed the rapture, that the rapture had come and that the, the day of the Lord had happened and they had missed it. And so Paul is writing back to them. And listen to what he tells them right there. He says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. So what did he do? He read the best thing he could do next to coming there to minister to this church that he had founded, that he had pastored, that he had planted and established. He wrote them a letter. And listen to what he tells them right there. 
For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you, the people in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and our joy. You know what he said? He says, my glory, my source of rejoicing, the greatest crown, the highest thing that causes me to rejoice is you at the presence of Jesus at his coming. See, Paul wasn't, he didn't rejoice and get joy from buildings, from check accounts, from crowds. He rejoiced in the fact that God had saved and prepared a people who was looking to him, who was waiting for him, who was like a bride waiting for the groom. And I'm here to tell you one day, my friend, one day the father's going to tell the son, go get your bride, and he's coming, and it's going to be an awesome day, and it's something that we need to be looking forward to as he gathers us together. And friends, listen, we don't like to a lot of times focus on eschatology because we're so focused in the moment. Most Baptists are either focused in the past too much or in the present too much, but they forget that your future, we need to be looking ahead to what God has promised and what he's going to do. And friends, listen, yes, you're in the moment. Yes, you got things that God can do, but everything in the moment is passing away. And friends, I want you to think about this. Eschatology, how much do you really allow God to teach you and show you of what he's promised us and what he's going to do? He is not up there wondering what happened to the world I created. Why are they all acting this way? Why is everything so out of control? Everything's happening exactly the way he said it would happen. We're the ones who look around and get caught up in what we see and we forgot in what he has said. Because I don't walk by faith and you shouldn't either. I don't walk by what's going on on the world stage. I walk by what goes on in thus saith the Lord in the word of God. And God spoke and tells us what he's going to do. I want you to think about this. What is eschatology? Eschatology is the combination of two Greek words, if you looked it up. Eschatos, which means last, and logos, which means word. And so what it's meaning is the last word. It refers to the biblical doctrine, though, of last things. And friends, listen. This comes from the Holman Bible Dictionary. The doctrine of last things normally focuses on a discussion of the return of Christ and the end of the age, the coming of the judgments, and the various expressions of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God as it prepares to establish itself for the eternal destiny of everyone who belongs to him. And friends, listen, there's a kingdom that's eternal. There's a God and a throne and he's working it all out according to what he's told us. Now, friends, listen to this. To the unbeliever, a study of things of the future events of the end times, they seem dark, terrifying, and apocalyptic because they should be. If you're not saved, if you look at what he's going to do and what's going to happen on the world stage, but friends, listen, to the believer, to the saved person, a study of eschatology is a crucial source of hope for the future. Because I don't know about you, if all your hope is here in fixing this, you're going to be a disappointed Christian a whole lot. Because it ain't going to get fixed. It's never going to be perfect. And friends, what you got to understand is the one who's coming back is coming to take those to the place. 
that he has prepared where we will live for eternity. If he could make this, then he's going to make a new earth and a new world. And friends, we all caught up in this. I want you to think about what the Bible says. The Bible says this. It says in 1 Peter, because all flesh is as grass, all flesh is as grass. Every one of us is like grass. We're here today, we're going tomorrow. Grass is pretty temporary. And he says, and the glory of the flesh is as the flower of grass. Everything that flesh can accomplish, all its glory is temporal. Man, that vent is working good, brother. <laughs> Blowing my, air, my paper off. It feels good, though. But now listen to this. Everything man does, everything man accomplishes, it's all passing away. The only thing that will stand and last forever is the word of God. And no matter what they tell you, no matter what science says they've proven, one day science ain't going to get mentioned in heaven. What's going to get mentioned in heaven is the word of God and faith and the son and the kingdom. Friends, that's what I'm living for. How about you? And yes, we can get distracted, but I want you to seek about this with us this morning. The reason the biblical explanation of eschatology, the last things, the things to come, is a crucial source is because the future events for a Christian is that we got something way better to hope for than the best this place has to offer. No matter how good you might have it, it's passing. No matter how good it might be for a season, sooner or later, it's going to have trouble. If there's one thing I can promise you about our hearts, they're very susceptible to be troubled. Sooner or later, you're going to wake up one day with a troubled heart. Sooner or later, something's going to happen in your life that you're going to experience a shaken mind, a turmoil, because this world is unstable. It's unpredictable. You can't count on it. It'll fail you, amen? Your best friend will fail you because it's all flesh. But guys, listen. Paul said, for our hope and our joy, our crown of rejoicing is not that, not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. That's what comforts me. That's my glory and joy. Listen to what he tells him when you look over in the back part of verse 3, chapter 3. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound. I want you to notice this. May the Lord do this, not you. You can't do it by your religion and by your hard works. It's all an act of grace. It's God active in his children. And what is he saying? May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Why? Because God is preparing us. Look at what he says. So that he may establish your hearts so that he may establish your hearts blameless and holy before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I tell you, God is at work, my friend. He's at work preparing the hearts and the, the moral condition and the attitude of his people to be ready for the second coming of his son. Everything in the church that he's doing is preparing that bride. How many of you likes a wedding? How many of you likes a good wedding? What's the best thing about the wedding? Now, I'm a preacher to food. I always ask Diane the first thing, what they feeding us? But what's the main event of the wedding? It's the bride. And what do they do to the bride? They make that bride look as good 
and as pretty and as pure and as best she can offer on her wedding day. You know what God's doing to us, the church? He's preparing us just like you do that bride. Now, I got a preacher friend of mine. He said that he's never seen an ugly bride, but he's seen some that come close. I didn't say that. Brother Dusty says that. But I'm going to tell you what, he's about to tell the truth. Jesus ain't coming back to get no ugly church full of sin and that ain't no different than the world. He's coming back to get a church that he saved, that he washed in his blood, that he filled with his spirit, that he's been at work at through his word and through them, that their relationship in his son, and he's changed us. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not as worried about what CNN says as just thus saith the Lord says. I don't really care what Washington says about the law. I'm not really under the mandates that they want to condemn lay out as far as much as I'm under the mandate of grace to let God have control of our lives. And friends, listen to this. Today, what should be motivating us more than anything is not the future of America, not who gets elected president next, but who already is king of kings, lord of lords, the one who's coming. He might come, but we won't have to worry about the next election. I ain't looking forward to it. How about you? I already chose my king a long time ago. His name is Jesus. And friends, listen, that's what we need to be looking for. That's where you get hope. If you put your hope in anybody, you'll get disappointed. If you put your hope in anything here, it will fail you. The only thing that will never fail you is God and his word. And that's what he tells us. And so what does he tell us in his word? That Jesus is coming back. Friends, I want you to see what Paul is telling this church to comfort them. Man, every day, every week, someone I grew up with is on Facebook that passed away from COVID. It's getting personal. Man, they was people for the last three weeks passed away from Cowboy Church that I used to see every Thursday. There's people all over that are losing loved ones. There's people also that are going through hard times and other things in life. And everywhere I go as a preacher, I'm here to tell you, I've never seen people that seem to be going through struggles and difficulties more at any time since I've been doing this than they are right now. I mean, I got people I call every day just to pray and hope that God will give me a word to encourage them. I go see people right now that already know that their day and their day's time on this earth are numbered. They're fixing to go to see the Lord. And I got to talk to him. You say, well, what can you tell him? I'm going to tell you, the only thing I got to tell you is what Paul said. What gives us hope? What comforts us at the time of when we don't have anything else here? When the doctor says we've done all we can do. When government, and you may not believe this, but government is very limited in what it can do. The more government tells you it can do for you, the least it will do. I'm here to tell you. I promise you. Because their promises are empty. But Jesus has promised us something. And look what Paul said. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about what if you're saved. Look at what he says in chapter 4. And remember, all of this is about the second coming. He's establishing. He's getting us ready. Look at verse 13 of chapter 4. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again... Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Friends, that's better than 
Southern Baptist Convention, that's better than Marvin Cooper, I'm here to promise you. That's better than mom and dad. This we say to you by the word of God, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have already passed on and are asleep in the Lord. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. I don't know about y'all, but I haven't found better news and more hope in that. One day, everybody that I love that is going on in Jesus and is in the ground, everyone that you love who is saved, and all of us at the sound of Jesus and the trumpet when he comes to get his bride are going to be what? Raptured, gathered together in the air to be with the Lord. And friends, listen what he said. And together forever, we're going to be together. And look at what he says. He says at the end of that, therefore comfort one another with these words. If that don't comfort you, if that don't give you hope, maybe you ain't in the group. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to a lot of things. I'm looking forward to my next birthday, getting a present. My mom always buys me a good one. I'm looking forward to my next anniversary and celebrating another year of marriage. I'm looking forward to a lot of things, amen? But I'm going to tell you what, out of anything, any event that could happen in my life in the future, I don't know of anything else that I can be more excited about, that I can look to with more ex ex excitement and expectation than the fact that Jesus is going to come back one day and he's going to call us out of here and we're all going to be gathered together with him in his presence forever and ever. Friends, listen, I am not here to tell you that your problems aren't something you got to deal with. Yeah, that's a reality, but greater than that reality is the truth that Jesus is coming. And friends, that's what Paul's telling them to put their hope in. Look at what he says he's doing in our lives. And I don't know about you, but this is an awesome thing to think about. When you get to the end of the book of Thessalonians, and I'm just picking out the things that are directly talking, but indirectly, the whole book is talking about being ready for the second coming of Jesus. But when you get to the last chapter, of, chapter um, 5, look at what he says in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I look at that, and that's what God's doing in our lives if we're saved. He's working in us. He's preparing us for the coming of his Son. Listen to what he goes on and says. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. <laughs> he said he's faithful, he'll do it. And then look at what he says. He didn't just write this for their church. He wrote it for every church. Look at verse 27, the second to last letter. He says, I charge you, I command you by the Lord, not Paul, by the Lord, that this letter, this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. See, it wasn't just meant for them to be focused, it was meant for us. Now guys, that's Paul telling us to put your hope, put all your expectation of tomorrow, not in here, not in things that God is doing in this life. Thank God he blesses us with a home. He blesses us with some finances. He blesses us with the things we need to have life. But friends, listen. When Jesus was leaving on the night of his betrayal, the night that Peter denied him, 
The last night he would be with them, he laid some heavy news on his committed 12. He told them, I'm leaving. I've got to go, and where I'm going, you can't come with me. But I'm not going to leave you orphans. In fact, it's to your advantage here now that I'm leaving, because if I stay here, he can't come. Who? The Comforter, the Holy Spirit. But if and when I leave, I will send him so that you won't be orphans. So we aren't been left without Jesus. Jesus is here in his spirit. How many of you knows what I'm talking about? He makes himself known. He manifests. He reveals himself. If you'll believe his word and you'll trust him and you'll follow his example and who he is in the four gospels and you'll let his teachings have authority and guide your life, the Holy Spirit will activate himself in you and he will make you know that Jesus is real and his presence is there and you'll feel a revealing of the manifested glory of Jesus in your life. And that's a wonderful thing, but that's nothing compared to the physical Real Jesus. Jesus was with them. And he tells them he's leaving and they're all distraught. And then he says on top of that, and one of you is going to betray me this night. He says they're going to come and they're going to arrest me and they're going to strike the shepherd and all you his sheep are going to be scattered. And they're all like, oh no, what's going on? And then on top of that, Peter stands up like Peter does. And Peter says, not me, Lord. I ain't like them. I'll never deny you. I'll even die for you. And he looks at Peter, the, the obvious brave one of the bunch, the leader of the bunch, the one who got out of the boat, the one who always was charging for, on for Jesus. And he says, Peter, 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 this night you will deny me three times before the rooster crows this morning. And then all of a sudden they're finishing the Lord's Supper and he changes the Passover. And they're looking at it. What is he doing? He's not doing the Passover. He's saying this is his blood. Then his sacrifice. He's fixing to die. They were all distraught. And when you look to where I want you to look with me, in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus tells them something. Can you imagine how soon shaking their mind was? How troubled their heart had to be? And now sometimes we put all our hope in Jesus here. We think Jesus is going to make life wonderful here. They thought he was going to be their king. They thought he was the Messiah. He was going to set them free from Roman oppression. He was going to take them out loose and deliver them from the tyranny of Caesar. And he was going to restore the glory days of Israel when David was king. That's what they were looking for now, here. But Jesus says, now nah, I'm going away. And where I go, you can't go. You know what he tells them? He says, let not your heart be troubled. You see it right there? John 14, 1. You believe in God? Believe in me also. Now, what did he tell them to make them have peace? To make their heart not be troubled? Don't miss this. This is the rapture, my friend. That's what he's talking about. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Don't get your hopes up. You're not going to get a mansion. You're going to get a dwelling place, an abode. That was a very bad choice in translation choice. Mansions. Nobody gets mansions. We all have a place to live, a dwelling place. But listen what he says right there. I go to prepare a place for you, a dwelling place. And look at what he says. And if I go, verse 3, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, 
there you may be also. You know what he's promised us right there? First of all, according to Jesus, heaven is a real place. It's a real place. It's as real as your place you live in right now. It's a dwelling place. Every one of us has a place in the Father's house that Jesus himself has prepared where we will dwell in eternity in the kingdom of God. Heaven's real, friend. And guess what? Those who believed in him and trusted him, they're going to heaven. Me and you's going to heaven, friend. I don't know about you, I feel sorry for people here who aren't saved, and I want to win them, and I'm motivated, and I'm going to teach some more stuff about, yes, the other side of what the world's being prepared for. But guys, we're being prepared for heaven. And friends, listen, he said, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will return so that where I am, you will be with me also. I don't know of anything better about heaven. Heaven is not heaven if Jesus ain't there. Heaven could never be what it's supposed to be if we're not with the Lord and he's not with us and we're not all together. And friends, he said he's coming to gather us all together to take us to the place that he's prepared. Friends, listen, quit putting all your eggs in this basket. Put them in that eternal basket of where we're going. Yeah, God can bless us here. But friends, listen, no matter what, here there's going to be heartache. Here there's going to be trouble. But where we're going, he's going to wipe away every tear. There's going to be no sin. It's going to be a place that we all can look forward to. That's what Paul is reminding them. That the Lord is coming and is going to gather us together. Friends, Jesus one day is going to part that eastern sky. When he got ready to leave, he left in a certain way. Do y'all remember what happened? He told all of these men, all of these apostles to meet him on the mountain that he had told them. And they met him there. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 9 it says, Now when he had spoken these things, these things would be the great commission. What we're supposed to be doing right now, winning and making disciples. But it says, Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you imagine what that was like? And friends, listen to this. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. This is in Acts chapter 1. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? Friends, that's a dumb question. What would you be doing? I'd be. I thought it was awesome that he got resurrected. But man, he just took off and went through that cloud. He just went home to be with the Father. And friends, when he went, he went. Just like he went, that's what the rapture is. That's how we're going to go. It's going to happen so fast, though, none of them folks that's left behind is going to see us go because we're going to go in the twinkle of an eye. They're going to blink. We're going to be gone to be with Jesus. And listen to what he says right there. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into the heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not looking for a place in the ground called a grave where I might have rest in peace. We put rest in peace. That ain't what the church of Acts looked at. The early church wasn't looking for a hole in the dirt to find rest. They was looking for a cloud that would part where the living Jesus would descend and one day take us all home. That's what we should be looking for. And friends, one day Jesus is coming back. And I want you to think about this. When Jesus comes back, 
When Christ returns, all believers, those who have died and those who remain alive, will be together with him. Death is not the end. It's only the beginning. The more we understand and believe about biblical eschatology, the end times, the better you're able to cope with pain here and on earth and find hope in life to come. Friends, listen. Paul said, if our only hope is here, if our only hope is here, and there is no resurrection, we are to be pitied above more than all men. Friends, we're going to live again with Jesus one day. What we're going to do in heaven, I don't know, but it's going to be good. But I can promise you the greatest thing is going to be about heaven is that we're going to be with Jesus, and Jesus is going to be with us, and we're going to see him for who he is, and when we see him for who he is, we'll see us, according to John, for who we are. I don't know about y'all. I get discouraged. I want to quit. Sometimes I say, Lord, nobody wants to hear this anymore. Lord, I preach and nothing happens. My own church just sits there like they're bored. But Jesus, because you're coming back, I'm not going to find you when you come back, me just sitting somewhere. I hope when he comes back, he finds me like you, being faithful, doing what I'm supposed to do. And friends, listen, we don't do it because of what we get. If you only do things for God because you're getting blessings now, you won't do them long. I do them for who he is. How about you? And he's coming back. And I think it's sooner than you think. We're going to look at some stuff in the end times. We're going to look. And friends, some of it's going to scare you because you're going to look around and see, boy, these people that's going to get left, it's going to be a serious thing. You see, not only should this motivate us to look to heaven and be filled with hope and expectation to go to heaven. When you look at the other side that we're going to look at next week, what the devil is preparing the world for, it should motivate you to do more than go to church on Sunday, listen to a preacher preach and go home and do nothing else and come back next Sunday and repeat for your whole entire life. Friends, listen, there is a whole generation out there who's lost, who's going to wake up one day and the church is going to be gone. Jesus has come and they're going to be left behind. And listen, if you really take time to study, we are in the time. We're in the last of the last days. Everything is ready right now. The rapture could happen before we get out of here today. Jesus, my friend, is coming back for the second coming. The rapture is instantaneous. It happens. The church, poof, he don't come to earth. He takes us from the earth to him in the sky, and he raptures us and takes us to heaven. The whole earth is going to say, where'd all them people go? I don't think it's going to be as many as we think, so it ain't going to be hard for them to explain. You know why it's going to be easy for them to explain? They've been listening to the lie for so long, and they lived for the lie for so long, and they've hated the truth for so long, they're going to be looking for an alternative. And the beast is going to step up, and he's going to give it to them. And he's going to lay it out there, and the devil's going to empower him just like the father empowered the son, and he's going to do signs and wonders, and they're going to swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And just to give you a quick thing before we leave, this is what's coming for the world. He's going to step up on the scene. The world's going to get to the place where it's so chaotic. Government's going to be so bad off that they're going to all unite together. And there's going to be a one-world government. There's going to be a one-world currency. There's going to be a one-world religion. And it's all going to be tied to this one man who they're going to think is the Savior and got the answer for everything, and he's going to promise them everything. He's going to unite them, but they ain't going to stay united long. Then he's going to turn on them, 
and all hell's going to break loose in the seven-year tribulation. It's going to happen. I don't know about y'all. I'm glad Jesus is coming. How about you? But it breaks my heart for America because most of my fellow Americans has chosen the alternative. God is the only son. And friends, when I show you what God is going to show us, it's happening as I speak. America is ripe, and America is ignorant of truth, and America's looking for help. And you know how they're so fearful and they're so frustrated and they swear this is the answer? The beast is going to step up on social media and say, I'm the man you've been looking for. I've got the answer. I can fix y'all's problem. And that's what you're going to say about us. UFOs, probably. The UFOs got them. They all believe in, the government even claims they're real now. If they're so real, why we ain't seen one? Friends, I'm going to tell you something. People are gullible. They will believe all that. But they won't believe Jesus. They won't believe the gospel. They won't believe Christ died for them. Today, if you won't believe, you're not going to believe then. Today is your day of salvation. Today, Jesus died for you if you'll give your life. Friends, I'll be a fool. You can laugh at me. They can say he believes that old book and them old myths. He's a religious nut. But one day they're going to say, where'd he go? And you know what I say? We need to invest every penny we got, every nickel we got. We need to do everything we can and leave this all here to them. You know what they can do with this? I don't care what they do with it when I'm gone because we ain't going to need it. Friends, we need to get woke up. We need to spend it all for Jesus, everything, right now, while we can. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you've never been saved, to come and give your life to Christ. If you can't walk an aisle today, you think you're going to get saved when Jesus has raptured us out of here? Friends, he's coming. He's promised us. The last thing he says in the book of Revelation, in the 22nd, the last chapter, the second to last verse, he says, I'm coming and I'm coming quickly. Amen. Jesus is coming or he lied. Friends, I don't know about y'all. I'm glad it's soon. And I hope he comes today, if that be his will. Come, Lord Jesus, because that's our hope. Would you stand with me this morning? Father in heaven, I shared what you told me as best I could. If there'd be one not ready, Lord, that would be caught like a thief in the night. If you was to come today, I pray he'd be saved. And for those of us who are living for ourselves, living for here, not living for the future of our eternity, I pray that you'd wake us up and help us. Help us to witness to our neighbor, to love our neighbor. Help us to tell our people and our own families that you need Jesus, not church, not bring them to hear a preacher. Let's bring them to Jesus. Father, today I pray in this service that you would move and your will would be done. And I pray for the world today, Lord, that in the midst of all these times that people would come to Christ and see Jesus for it's too late. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.